Did you guys see the, uh, hold on, I'm going to open my beer first, because I absolutely love my Moosehead beer. Sponsor, Sponsor us. us. Ooh, and I love my what is St. Ambrose McCausland beer. <laughs> so Nobody knows if you're making that shit um, up or not. You sound like you're just making up a dwarvish beer right now. <laughs> I know, right? Um... Did you guys see... Uh, ale Noir, that means black ale, by the way, Dan, so... There's been a constant trend right now in a lot of the uh, the other online D&D shows. You guys, have you guys been paying attention? <coughs> What's the trend? The trend right now is everyone's talking about role-playing. They're digging deep into it. The WebDM guys had took a time out of a, of a recent episode, and they went off about it. Matt Coville did, like, a huge episode about it, and he <coughs> raised a ton of really, really, really good points. Well, we've already done it, so they're late to the party. I know, they're... they're, they're Catching up, but one of the things Matt Coville said was that there are two kinds of role playing. There's role playing lowercase r, which is you know we're playing a role playing game. Yeah, and then there's role playing capital R, right? Which got me thinking about he had he had a huge breakdown about it, it was really good. The mm-hmm. idea is that there are people that don't role play at all. There are people that role play a little bit, uh, but they're they've got one character trait really that they play over and over. Yeah, and then there are the people that have a distinct character beyond who they themselves are and their wants and needs, and they will stop in the middle. God damn it, Terry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? First time. Um, but uh, but these are the people that will stop in the middle of saying what they want for their character and say, shit, my character would do this. Where they know that they're going to take a shit ton of fire damage and may die, but they would run into the orphanage yeah. Yeah. that's on fire, right? So here we go. Right, and there's the actual role playing where you start thinking like your character, and they live and breathe, and it becomes more than just you playing a game. So I got thinking about this. Which one, as a DM, which style do you prefer DMing? Because there are the the no role play tactic, which I mean that is a viable game, and I'm not going to shame anybody. It's like no man, I'm here to roll dice and kill goblins. Oh, so I prefer to roll a DM for a role play heavy game, yeah, or, or a tactic game, yeah, or just enough flavor to to you know get the idea of oh my guy's nervous and he's always nervous about everything and and I play a nervous guy, and yeah, that, that's enough, right? Like, do you want to do the deep dive? Do you want to keep oh, it like surface level? Dive. Get me in it. I have to believe it. I got to feel it. Otherwise, it's just matrix code to me. It's just it's just numbers and pushing minis. For me, work for me, for me, I running a tactics based game is easy. Uh, you just throw a monster with some terrain in front of some guys, and you're good to go. Um, just like you said. Um, but I, I, after DMing for you guys and then being in your guys' party for so long, I, I would prefer role play. Yeah, yeah. We converted you, Dan. You know, honestly, I, 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 I this this may surprise you guys. I played a shit ton of Risk when I was a kid. I miss the tactical side of things. Yeah, right. I DM a lot, and I am in the heads of so many NPCs. And the next time that I get the opportunity to be a player, I just want to grab the mechanics and beat the shit out of a pile of hit points. Yeah, that's that's what I want. I don't. I I would almost prefer episodic. You know. Um, there are a whole bunch of uh, of quests up on the bulletin board in the tavern. You guys choose which one you're doing at the beginning of the session. There's, uh, there's uh, nothing wrong with that. And I would like to go back and just play a classic trope-style game as well, where it's, it's like you said, it's the notice board and there's all of the quests. It's, it's also good, uh, just to branch off from that, it's also good for groups of players that are struggling to find a DM to play an episodic-style game because everyone builds a character 
and then one player steps out for this one mission, this one thing you have to go get, uh, this one quest. And then when that quest is done, that player or that DM becomes a player again and another player sits up. I actually have done that in my Friday night group for years. And we just started a new campaign where once we're done keep on the borderlands, that that like three or four uh, level arc, um, one of the other one the guys in the group is going to take over with a Ghost of the Salt Marsh uh, module. And then like just we're flowing module to module with our guys. That sounds like a lot of fun. Like I would be all over that as a player. As a DM, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. I don't think I could just be like, you enter the room, it's dark and dusty, it's 20 feet by 20 feet, yeah. everything is made <laughs> of stone, and there are spider webs in the corner, large spider webs, and a large spider is there. Roll initiative. Yeah. I couldn't do that, man. That would just make me twitch. <laughs> and I have done that. That was like, I, I did that a lot for the Demon Keep, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And I, there, I just hit my limit with it. I never again will I go back to that lazy level of, uh, Dan, you're like, I'm a lazy DM. I just can't. Oh, no, that's too far. That's That's a step too far. To just have monster after monster after monster after monster. Well, even the... Oh, you find a bridge. The bridge is rickety. Everyone roll a deck save crossing. Right? Like, I'm, I I get it. I, I know what's happening. But I go back and I read the old modules from earlier editions. And, and I get it. I know where you're going with this. But this is a framework. Yeah. This is the bare bones. Yeah. And we've, we've mentioned this before. That even if you grab one of those modules and whatnot. And, and you find them lacking you could still add on top of them. oh absolutely right but i don't know i was just curious because i was sitting there in my head going no as a dm i absolutely want the deep or role-playing experience to provide this rich thing uh this rich experience to my players and but as a player nah man fuck it i just i just want to kill things do you have a character in mind if you ever end up playing again um i was thinking that i would um try to roll up a monk oh do you know what I was thinking about doing that as well. Maybe it's because we've been thinking about monks a lot. Uh, yeah, me, pr- probably. Me too. Uh, we should almost <laughs> talk about monks a little bit Can, more. Guys, do you think we should do an episode about it sometime? We should probably do an episode about monks sometime We should, too. but not today. No. Today, skeletons. No, we're talking monks. It's monks. Yeah. Fuck. Well, it'll be in like an hour for us, but... <laughs> Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. So guys, we're doing Monks this week. Welcome back to another episode of It's a Mimic. Uh, I'm DM Adam, and with me uh, is... Terry. And... DM Dan. So uh, we're here, we're going to talk about Monks, who are... Honestly, I believe one of my secret favorite classes of all time. And I'm not, like, bullshitting on this Is it like you don't want to like them, but you just can't help but like them? Yes, I feel like there's nothing to it. You are playing a martial artist. You get a martial artist with, you're either like, oh, I'm a waterbender, or I'm a Shaolin monk, or I'm like, sure, 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 whatever. It's because we all have that fantasy of just beating the shit out of people without a fist as well, Dan. Oh, who who doesn't sit there after... (laughs) During recording a podcast? (laughs) During recording a podcast. I'm suddenly feeling very, very afraid of both of you. What? Um, Adam's just making eyes at me across the table. I don't know if he's flirting or threatening. They're kind of one of the same, I guess. Yeah, they're really the same thing for me. <laughs> no, but like, who who hasn't sat down, watched a Jackie Chan movie, and then wanted to play oh, you know, a monk? Every one of us, I guarantee every one of us, span around doing the worst Ninja Kicks of all time mm-hmm. after the first Ninja Turtles movie came out. Yeah. In like the 90s. I was doing the hip-hop dance 92, moves. 92, I think it was. No, it was 92 that, that had... Uh, or no, uh, 1990 was the first one. 92 was Secret of the U's. That's one of Vanilla Ice. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
that was my childhood, guys. Like, I know this shit off yeah, the top yeah, of my yeah. head. So, and then there was Turtles in Time, but we're not going to talk about that shit. That was my so, favorite one. Was it really? Of course no, it was. I just thought you maybe would like it if fuck, I said that. Fuck, Terry. <laughs> fuck. Okay, so. I, I'm I just used certain, up all the F words, right? I'm fairly time. certain Terry just sits there and goes, okay, which one is the least fan favorite of any sort of movie franchise? And I'm going to make that one mine. Well, I feel like Terry cosplayed as April O'Neil. Do you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, actually, and I'll, we'll spend 30 seconds oh, shit. before we move on. Okay. No. We're going to learn something about Terry. Ready? Yep. I never thought she was that hot. No. Don't get it. No. Because at the same time I was watching Ninja Turtles, I was also watching X-Men, and I was all over Rogue. Rogue was my redhead. It wasn't. It's so funny that, that you went to Rogue with the redhead, not Jean Grey. Uh, too goody-goody. Yeah? Yeah. Rogue will, Rogue will fuck your life up. Yeah, yeah. go back, listen to our episode on Rogue. And you'll come back asking for more. <laughs> anyway, sugar. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, back back to the monk. I feel that, that I get very handcuffed with it. Like, you know what you're playing right from the beginning. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of, like, we sit down and we go, oh, here's a new interesting build on every one of these class episodes. Yeah. And I sat down with Monk and went, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, what's a new interesting build for the guy who punches things in the face with every single class feature? Yeah, yeah right. And so, I don't know, I thought that... As much as I mechanically love the Rogue, I have quite a few questions ab- about the design, which I'm going to jump into. But, um, you mean the Monk? What did I say? The Rogue? rogue yeah. Man, you've got my so head all spun around. around. I, I said Monk, and I'm sitting there thinking about X-Men. This yeah. is what's happening. So Come on, shit. <laughs> is there an X-Men named Monk? No. Uh, think there, there there's be. Mimic. Yeah, there is Mimic, yeah. But anyway, let's stay on topic. Okay, sorry. Daniel, <laughs> fuck, you always derail the conversation. Sure, I do. Um, it's all my fault. But, look, we know that we're going to end up with a character that does meditation. It's built right into how they gain their key points back. They have to meditate for 30 minutes during a rest, right? We know that there's going to be calm and discipline because their big stat in this is, as much as it's dex, it's wisdom, right? That is the flavor that we play more than anything else. Dex is the mechanic, but the wisdom is the flavor, um, which is a little bit strange. So let's go through a couple of things um, about the monk, a couple of class features before we go too far. Uh, you get simple weapons and, and short swords. I'm I'm really happy they added the short sword. I do picture monks with blades, mm-hmm. right? Like the, I, as much as they're nunchucks and bow staffs and whatnot, they need to have a katana. Yeah. So I'm I'm all over that. I I really like that. But they don't get armor at all. This is another class that does not get an armor proficiency, and we'll explain why in a little bit. Uh, they get one artisan's tool or a musical instrument, which I thought was really neat. I, I didn't understand why they would get that until I was thinking, you know, they. I can picture the monk that sits on the mountaintop carving the stone, mm-hmm. the soapstone, um, over the span of a year, and then he puts down the perfectly carved crane. Yeah, yeah right? playing the beautiful music as well. Yeah, again, like sitting in the treetops playing a flute that uh, like echoes through the forest and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't choose bagpipes, but, <laughs> you know, but that's because that's I'm English, and it's like they were designed just to just to hurt our brains, just give us psychic damage. <laughs> I uh, I think you're right on that. I, I I although I would play I would play a monk whose whose musical instrument is the gong. <laughs> Dude walks into town just wheeling in this massive eight foot tall dish. <laughs> I just picture the bard sitting there doing a whole great big set, and at the end, it's the monk gong. Symbols. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of that. But, but I, I like the idea of um, of the friar, right? Do you guys know the difference between a friar and a monk? No. Nope. They both come from a monastery. 
Um, and the difference is that a monk stays in the monastery and the friar actually goes out with the people and helps the community. So why would one be a monk over a friar? Um, uh, monks are more in, uh, reclusive. They they're introspective. Yeah. They're the ones that take the vow of silence and whatnot to learn more about themselves, mm-hmm. to clean their souls and whatnot. Whereas friars are very outwardly focused, whereas normal monks are inwardly they, focused. Think about the fact that we had Friar Tuck with um, with Robin Hood, right. right? Who was out amongst the people. Uh, we had... Um, anytime that you picture the... Uh, the guys in in the big heavy brown robes walking through chanting and whatnot those are friars yeah. they're around spreading the word and being a part of the public consciousness yeah. and whatnot. whereas the monks are in that they're the league of shadows monastery up on top of the on yeah. top of the mountain right and as much as we call this class monk it is hard baked into it that they are friars and it even says that they go out into the community and they help people they're altruistic it's mm-hmm. in their nature a base monk wants to be out there with the public they're going to be volunteering at the orphanage right they're going to be uh yes dan something funny about volunteering at the orphanage. oh i i just i'm currently playing a monk and i'm envisioning that character volunteering at the orphanage orphanage. and what his motives are which will inevitably burn down your yeah your monk is an evil monk though my monk's a lawful evil monk who's obsessed with death so if he's at an orphanage no good can come from that well, depends on how you look at it, really. <laughs> You're not wrong. But, uh, no, I, I see monks as being, um, like, they're volunteering at soup kitchens. They're out there helping people. If they're walking down the road and there are a bunch of people raising a barn, they will stop and help. Yeah. And they don't want any payment for it. Just, just give me soup and bread, you know, for dinner and I will move on, right? Um, so they really are the do-gooder uh, more than anything else. Um, they're, they're not hermits. You can play them as a hermit. But the way that it reads in the player's handbook is they're not hermits. Um, Their important stats are uh, dexterity, wisdom, and I would say constitution next. You want to have the hit points. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to shrug off some uh, Yeah, because you're going to be getting up close. Yeah. So you're going to need some hit points. Absolutely. You're going to want, and you're going to be making some saves too, right? And I feel like your monk would be used to taking a punch as well. And so it makes sense for them to have higher hit points to reflect that mechanically. Yeah, which is why it's interesting that their saves are dexterity and strength. And I kind of puzzled over this one for a while until I realized that, yeah, they're the person that runs into the burning orphanage, and when the ceiling collapses, they hold it up as the orphans run out. Yeah. I see them doing a lot of catching and a lot of throwing, and so say uh, strength makes sense, even though strength feels almost like a dump stat in a monk scenario, yeah. right? Um, yeah, it feels very, like, anti-Bruce Lee. To yeah. rely on strength. Yeah. But but then you think of Bruce Lee, and he had he rippling was, biceps. Oh, yeah. Like, he was yeah, an intensely strong person. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I guess the thing is that they're masters of their physical being through the willpower that, that they have, right? Using their, their key. Um, that is, that's why they would get the strength, as opposed to con or wisdom. Um, also, everything is proficient with wisdom and charisma in this damn game. Yeah. So, and dexterity. So, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't get another double up. Um, the skills that they have are very limited. They have them split down the middle. There are three physical and three kind of mental stat, or skills. The physical ones are acrobatics, athletics, and stealth. Makes sense. Yeah, that tracks. I have no comment on that. Yeah. Uh, and history, insight, and religion are the other ones. Again, that tracks for me. Yeah, yeah, 
they would know the local lore. They would like know the word of mouth history of and the region. And, and they tend to be religious orders, so they would have religion. Yep, absolutely. And they read people. Like yeah. all this, this just makes sense to me. Yeah. All this makes sense. Although, if you'll sit there and you look at it, history and religion are intelligence. So you see that you're not they're really pushing you towards the physical stats, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you're, you're going to want to take acrobatics, athletics, or stealth. Um, probably acrobatics and stealth, right? Because that's going to be your dexterity, mm-hmm. right? I can picture a lot of monks that would pick up insight, but you're not getting perception in this, which is a little strange to me. But I don't yeah. know. I thought that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, now let's jump into a couple of the class features. Sure. Unarmored defense. That's the first thing that you get right off the bat. You don't get a proficiency in armor. You do get 10 plus your dexterity plus your wisdom, which means this is one of the um, only classes that allows you to get just naturally up to an AC of 20. Yeah. Just, and like I think, naturally, that's just going to happen. It, after a couple of ability score increases or magical weapons that boost your stats, you're up there. Um, and, and What are your thoughts on that? That, that mechanic and how that's built up. You know, considering that we have the Barbarian that has it with, what is it, Constitution? Constitution, yeah. And Dex, and there's one of the, I think it's the Dragon Sorcerer, the Dragon Ancestry Sorcerer has Charisma and and uh, Dex, as well as a plus 10 as well. So, like, this is around in other places, and I've seen it, and you know what, I'm okay with it. I don't like the idea of a monk in a breastplate. I think they can put one on, and of course you can put one on at low levels, but it makes a lot of sense that at high levels you're you're like, you know what, I want the freedom. Yeah, I like, so the 10 plus the dex, dex is obviously your, how hard you are to hit, your ability to dodge out the way of whatever strikes or blows are coming towards you. And the reason I like the wisdom part of it as well is because it suggests that the monks are wise enough to predict what is coming next and to be able to read the situation so yeah. they can uh, move away from what they know is coming. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, you also get your martial arts uh, real early. This is first level. This is where you get um, to substitute your dexterity for strength. So on all of your attacks that use unarmored or uh, unarmed strike or a monk weapon, you get to use your dex. That's really useful. Yeah. This is one of the only classes that says, hey, you know what? You only need two, two ability scores. If I roll... My stat block, and I go, what am I going to do with this 16, 16, 10, 10, 10, 10, 8, right? I'm playing a monk. Yeah. Right? It's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, you So what happens with the, with the martial arts, not only do you substitute dex for strength, um, but you also get to use a d4 in place of normal damage for unarmed strike. Normal damage is 1 plus your strength modifier. Mm-hmm. So now you get 1d4 plus your dex, which is really powerful. You can also use this D4 in place of the regular damage on a monk weapon. Which you think, well, why would I? I mean, a short sword's a D6. But at 5th level, you get to up that number to a D6. At 11th, you up it to a D8. And at 17, you up it to a D10. So this is one of the only times you're swinging a short sword and doing D10 damage. Yeah. Yeah. Which is incredibly powerful. You can make one unarmed strike as a bonus action as well with this. If you use the attack action it, in your turn, you can then use a bonus action to make an unarmed strike. What this tells me is that you cannot use an unarmed strike as a bonus action any other time in the game. The fact that they're specifying it here means that if I'm holding a rapier in one hand and then I want to punch because I'm a swashbuckling rogue, I cannot do that, 
two-weapon fighting specifically says melee weapons. This is the only time it says that you can make an unarmed strike. Dan's like, I hate that. What is this? This is nonsense. No, I, but it's no, right I, in the language of it. Um, I think you would have to look up what the rules for unarmed attacks are. Um, there are several ways to get unarmed like attacks in the game. One of them is like Tavern Brawler, which gives you a damage dice on top of it. Um, and you would have to see what they define that as. And I'm fairly certain most... Uh, I'm fairly certain the game classifies an unarmed attack as a melee weapon. Like, they, they do class it as a weapon. This specifically says, um, though, it says unarmed strike. Do you want to look it up? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look, look it up. Check on this? Yeah. Um, because this really does lead me to believe that two-weapon fighting style is the only way that you get a bonus attack action um, for an attack, right? Um, and that's, like, I miss... I miss that in other classes. Why can't the barbarian throw a punch? Yeah. Why can't the fighter throw an elbow, right? Yeah. But the fact that it's part of, of the monk just goes to show you why this is one of the 1,000 attacks that a monk gets on a turn, right? Right. The fighter gets so many attacks in their action, the monks get all of their attacks in their bonus action, and we're starting here with, with martial arts. Uh, at second level, you get your key. The number of key points that you get are equal to your monk level. It uses a different language in the player's handbook, but that is how it works. Mm -hmm. Just be, it, They use a different language because you don't get any key points at level one, right? So um, so it's equal to your monk level, and it recharges on a short rest. You have to spend 30 minutes, like I said earlier, um, of that rest in meditation. It can be a long rest, too, but, I mean, nobody's sitting there going, oh, I, I yes, Dan, you got that look on your face. No, I'm looking up. Okay. Um, you can, uh, <laughs> things are looking up for Dan. This whole thing about the key points recharging on a short rest feels super imbalanced to me because you get 14 of them at level 14. That's nuts. On a short rest, yeah. you're, in theory, if you get two short rests in in a single day, which I've known to happen in some scenarios and some dungeons. I mean, that's what forty-two freaking key points that you yeah, can spend that day. Exactly. That's batshit insanity to me. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent like on board with that. That feels a little overpowered. But then there are a million different ways to use key points. So maybe it balances out a little bit later. Okay. On page 195 of the player's handbook, it says uh, instead of using a weapon to make a melee weapon attack, you can use an unarmed strike. A punch, a kick, a headbutt, or similar forceful blow, none of which counts as weapons. There we go. Yeah. So, there it is. On a hit, an unarmed strike deals bludgeoning damage equal to one plus your strength modifier, and you're proficient. So, everyone is proficient with unarmed strikes. As an action. As a, uh, Well, yeah, as a, instead of an well, attack. Yeah, well, that means that you, when you rolled a hit, you had your strength modifier um, and your and your proficiency to hit. Yep. Right. And your damage is one plus your strength modifier. There's no dice. But that doesn't now, mean... there are some ways, either playing yeah, a monk absolutely. or... Uh, tavern Blar tavern Blar 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 like Brawler, the feet, which will actually make your unarmed attacks weapons, and then you can do them in this way. But my point was, that means that you don't just automatically get to do it again as a bonus action. Yeah, no, you don't. Because it's not a weapon strike, you cannot just punch as a two-weapon fighting. Because two-weapon fighting says... This is your attack as your action, not yeah. your bonus action. Yeah. Yep. Um, you use your bonus action to attack with a different light melee weapon you're holding in the other hand. That's two-weapon fighting. That's two-weapon yep. fighting. And that's a different one that you're holding in your other hand, which means you don't just get to flip your dagger into your left hand to hit again as a bonus action. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So 
Um, these are some of the nitty gritty rules that I don't think people understand right away. And I bet a lot of DMs allow people to throw punches. Yeah. yeah. And like, I, I would hand wave that as well. I'd let you throw a punch as a bonus action. I don't see why not. Because it takes because, away from what a monk can do. Because it takes away. Because then. If there's no monk at the table, whatever. Um, no, it still takes away from what a monk can do. And you're not doing as much damage as a monk is. Because you're doing one plus yeah. your strength. Yeah, well, but, you're, but you're still doing... If you're doing one plus your strength, you probably have a plus three in it because you want to get that. So you're rolling to do an extra four damage all of the time. That's, that sounds... That seems broken. And I see what you're saying. There's no monk at the table. But if I knew that was your rule, why would I roll a monk up? You know. Well, you'd be doing more damage with a monk. You'd still have to follow the normal rules for two-weapon fighting where you attack with a weapon and then you could punch them as a bonus action. You'd still have to follow the same rules. Monks don't have to follow those rules necessarily they could do a normal punch and then do a no- another punch as a bonus and then they that, spend key and get more punches that that's what i'm no no I, I i know i would allow it at my table is what i'm saying like I'm, I'm, I, I just as a flavor thing i would hand wave this rule and i'd be like yeah you could do you could punch as two weapon fighting that counts i would count a unarmed attack as a light weapon okay for two weapon fighting for two weapon sure fighting, yeah. you know what i'll give that to you but which everyone gets everyone gets two weapon right fighting. but the level one barbarian does not get to use his bonus action to throw a punch right when he's using a hand axe in one in one hand and he's punching with the other hand that's just at level one that is every round a chance for an additional four damage or more depending on how he statted up right so i wouldn't let that slide without two weapon fighting i'd probably homebrew that as well but if there's a monk at the table i wouldn't give the monk what they what they need for this right Mm -hmm. um Anyway, uh, let's get back into the key points. Um, so you can also force saving throws um, with some of your abilities uh, when you use key points. These are equal to 8 plus your proficiency modifier plus your wisdom. It's the same way that they stat out spell save DCs, mm-hmm. right? So uh, with Flurry of Blows, that's one of the first things. It's the first uh, key thing that you can do. And it's really the only thing that anyone ever does. Let's be honest. After you use the attack action and only after the attack action. So if you multi-class into Sorcerer and cast a spell, you do not get to flurry of blows after. You can use one key point to make two unarmed strikes, specifically unarmed, not monk weapon. I'm going to say all that again for those of you that are listening at home going, wait a minute, hold on, say that again. Here we go. (laughs) After your attack action that you have made... You can use one key point to make two unarmed strikes. You do not get to do it if you cast a spell or use your action to, to drink a potion or anything else. You cannot do it if you um, want to use your whip or your your dagger or your short sword. It has to be an elbow, a knee, a fist, even a headbutt. I always like the idea of people headbutting in, yeah. in the game. It doesn't happen enough. Yeah. Um, no, it doesn't come up enough for me. Is people we talk about punching? I think for flavor for monks, I need more kicks. Okay, if you're hitting them with a staff, if you want to do an unarmed strike, that's because you whip around and do a wheel kick or something. Absolutely, I want to hear, want to hear that yeah, a little 100%. bit. One hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dan's playing a monk right now that's a minotaur, and he gets a horn attack, <laughs> oh and that's that's an unarmed attack, and it's got all sorts of crazy fucking rules to it. So do you play? It's it a is, lot of fun. Is, is that uh, built in the rules as written? Ravnica. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you get a horn attack as like your horns are a unarmed strike attack that you could do that do like a d6 plus strength damage piercing as well piercing yeah, yeah piercing so is that's, so that's a little different yeah yeah I, I like that it seems overpowered because we're doing like level four with these little one shots that we're running um but by level eight i don't give a shit you're just piercing versus bludgeoning yeah. damage at that point yeah 
Um, That's funny. So uh, in, in a couple minutes, we'll also talk about the other weakness with that guy, which is a weakness that all monks have, and we'll get to it in a minute. Okay, so um, besides Flurry of Blows, one of the other things you can just do standard is Patient Defense. Again, you spend one key point, and you use your bonus action to dodge. That's incredible, yeah. especially considering that you've got a D8 hit die. Yeah. Um, the dodge action gives anyone attacking you disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also get uh, Step of the Wind, which is one key point to disengage or dash as a bonus action. So this sounds a whole lot like a rogue, right? Yeah. But you have to spend your key point to do it, and with Step of the Wind, you can jump your uh, double the regular jump distance, which I guess is important. I rarely am doing jump mechanics in my games. Yeah, I, it's always one of the things that gets forgotten exactly how to do it, so we just end up kind of doing as I, I don't know, an athletic it, check or something. It, yeah, is it is it fifth or is it five feet? Then yes, you're jumping across a five foot square. Roll an athletics check. Don't roll below an eight. Yeah, right. Um, the only thing that and that's why I, I think most tables run it. There are specific rules. I can see Dan is like, wait a minute, I can look that up. Um, <laughs> and, and everyone said that I was the cloistered scholar. Here we are. Dan's always flipping through pages. Mm-hmm. Um, at second level, you also get unarmored movement, which means you can move an additional ten feet at second level. At 6th level, you move an additional 15 feet. At 10th, 20 feet. At 14th level, you move an additional 25 feet. So you're going 55 feet around, plus you can dash, plus you can bonus action dash. And if, for example, like one of the players that I would say, well, you happen to be a wood elf monk, yeah. you're basically moving it like, you're basically a bullet. Yes. <laughs> I think that's what we called it, was the bullet. Um, and, then, and then at 18th level, you can move 30 feet. So you're going twice the, the average um, speed of a, of a player, right? So... Um, at ninth level, um, you can move along vertical surfaces and across liquids. <laughs> but hold on. On your turn, and you can do this without falling, but it's only during your move, which means at the end of your move, you sink. So if you're running across some lava, which you could do, just make sure you make it to the other end before you... No, I'm, you're still taking some damage. You're, you're literally touching it. You're just not sinking in it, hmm. right? That's what I'll give you. You're going to take some damage, definitely. But, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Dan. But what's interesting is that it says um, specifically during the move, which means, um, does that still work? If you dash, did you sink between the dash action and the, can you only do your base move? Well, da- the way the dash action is worded is it gives you another move. Which means that this is only for your base movement. You are well, no. It, it gives you another move, and it says during your move. That is specifically the quote in it. Well, yeah, which a dash action would give you another move, which is still your move. No, which is still another move. Yeah, which is just another move. You'd still be able to no, do. But, it. No, which means it's different. You can do it on your dash, but my point is, if you're moving, let's say fifty-five feet, you cannot run a hundred and ten feet across open water. Mm. You can roll 55. Could I run across the line of people all drinking a cup of tea? I would I would say yes. I, especially if you were a halfling. <laughs> um, Dan, do you think I should be able to do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm very much a, if you want to do it, and like I'm very much rule of cool, like run 110 feet across right, the water. I don't but care. what we're doing today is not rule of cool as rules written. Well, I... And and there's a gray area in these rules as written, right? And, and we no, can there's an argue. imprecise area of <laughs> rules of written. And so, look, what it comes semantics. down to... Semantics. Like, we'll, it's we'll, not semantics, though. It, it is during your move. 
It is not during your, or, or the speed that you move on your turn. It is not during your turn. It is during your move. You get a movement phase of your, of your action. So you can get another one by dashing and another one by dashing on your bonus action. But these are another, right? Otherwise, this just becomes so freaking powerful that you are potentially running at 18th level. You are running across, what, 90 feet of water? Or no, I know, I'm sorry, 120 feet of water without falling in? Yeah, why not? You're you're a level 20 monk. Why that, not? That's nuts. That's insane. You have, at level 20, you have wizards who could stop time, which is insane and crazy, and they just cost one spell slot to do it. Why not just give the monk the ability to do it? Right? Because it's, it's that... Because my reasoning is that it would be 120 feet at level 2. And they're also spending a... Um, one key, key point. point to do it. One key point that recharges yeah, on a short, on a short rest. rest. Yeah. yeah, which... But we're going to learn very quickly that, yes, they get a lot of key points, but to do anything special in the monk class, you have to spend key to do it. And a lot of key in some situations. So you're burning through your key fast. Right? Uh, so I, I don't see the... it As a class that, you know, doesn't have armor and and are you kidding has a higher ac than others at, at low levels uh not if you're using standard arrays if you're using standard arrays like so if, if you're rolling 16 46. 16 plus 2 because you're building it so that gives you an 18 and you got so one. there's a four yeah and then so you, you have 14 plus like maybe you put your 13 in the other stat and say it gives you a plus one because you're because you grabbed a feet or whatever sure. or, or or whatnot you're still rolling at 16 ac which is exactly what your level one bard has with his armor it was light armor and dex bonus, right? And you're definitely going to be outpacing the wizard uh, for that, sure. But the wizard's in the back; you're in the front. So I, I, I don't know, man. Like I've seen monks with higher AC at low levels, and barbarians I, I guess point, and fighters, and what, everything else. What's coming across here is there's a lot of interpretation required by a DM and a player before the table. To figure out exactly what's going on with these rules. Because a lot of these assumptions can be made. And DMs and players need to avoid this conflict and make these decisions before you play. Yes, you, if absolutely, it comes up, you if, absolutely need to hit this out of session zero. Yeah. If it comes up during the actual table play and a player has made his entire plan for that turn based on the ability to run 120 feet over water. And you say, well, no, because it's kind of worded this way. You're just going to cause conflict at the table. I'm sorry, but it's not it's kind of worded this way. Well, as a DM, I'm saying, uh, tell me again how with this wording you feel you can do that. Yeah, I'm not, and like I'm not adversarial with this. I just want you to defend it. And a lot of the time, it just, it's right in there. And I've got another thing to point out later, um, because this shit is is out of control. So here, let let me let yep, me continue yep. with the monk, okay? So, um, at also at third level, you can deflect missiles. You get this ability, which means that as a reaction. You can roll, and that's important, reaction, so once a turn. You can roll 1d10, add your monk level and your dex modifier, and then you can reduce that amount of damage if a projectile weapon hits you. If you reduce um, that amount of damage to zero, you technically catch it, and you can throw it back. I love this. Using a ranged attack as part of the same reaction. You do get proficiency with this attack. It accounts as a monk weapon for this attack. But my question is, are so you're just using your decks and your proficiency to throw that arrow back, right? Um, and it counts as a monk weapon, but what damage are you doing with an arrow that you throw? Are you because what about what about a crossbow bolt? Right? Because it 
I know that they fired at one d10, but can you throw as hard as a as a crossbow shoots? The missile counts as a monk weapon for the attack, so it, you would do a d4. You would do whatever your monk weapon damage is. Perfect. That's exactly where I was heading with this. So yeah, yeah. that's not really worded clearly. There's a lot of jumping around in this about monk weapons. Yeah. Right. So um, this and this doesn't feel like a deflection to me. This feels like you catch it and you spin and using its momentum you fire it back right this feels more like a uh, redirect redirection yeah, yeah. so well, that, that's redirect you, missiles yeah. that's if you spend the key point you can throw it otherwise you're just knocking off to the side it, does this take a key point yeah if you spend one key point to make a range attack with a weapon or piece of ammunition you just got as part of the same reaction so you have to spend the key to whip it um whip it good to whip it good, yeah. Um, also, clarification on dash, because that's going to be a thing for this. Dash adds to your movement speed. It doesn't give you an additional movement. It adds to your movement speed by the way it's worded. So, um, if you look in your player's handbook, it says um, you gain extra movement for the current turn. The increase equals your speed after applying any modifiers. With a speed of 30 feet, for example, you can move up to 60 feet if on your turn if you dash. So, the way that they explain it, um, is it's adding on to your current speed. Good. Right? So, yes, you as a monk can run 120 feet across water at level one. Two. Two. At level two. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That seems so broken to me. Highly situational as well. Like, it, it, it's one of those things that's like, it, I'm not going to split hairs about that. You know what You know what drove me nuts about this? What? Is the person that wanted to run up rain? Hmm... Yep. Yeah, I can, can get that. Can, can I run up a waterfall? It's a vertical surface, and it's it's water. Even though there's no actual um, like wall behind it, it's just water. My falling. argument would be you can run up a waterfall as well as you can run up a treadmill that's standing up against a wall. You yeah, you can run, you can spin your legs all you like, <laughs> but the waterfall is coming down. It's not a matter of well. Remember, you get to run on vertical surfaces as a monk too. Yes, yep, but, but the vertical, vertical surface is not is moving. moving. That's like if you try to run up a Jacob's ladder. It's gonna. You can go up it, but it's coming down. So if you as a monk want to run up a wall, a sheet of ice, maybe. Mm. Well, it's a solid surface at that point. It's just a vertical surface. It, well, it's just a vertical surface. I would do standard ice rules, and you'd have to roll an acrobatics to not slip and yeah, fall. My and argument be... for the waterfall is, yeah, you can you can run up it, but at the same time, that waterfall is essentially running away from you. So it's you're just you back down. You're spot. just it's like running on a treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, at 4th level, you get your standard ASIs. You get them at 8, 12, 16, and 19. Also at 4th level, you get slow fall. This uses your reaction. Uh, and you can reduce any falling damage equal to 5 times your monk level. Which, again, seems nuts that you can just fall out of an airship and walk away. Jump off a waterfall. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, I, get, I get that that's a cool thing, and I get that it uses your reaction. Some of these things are reactionary-based, and so now you're not getting that extra hit as well. Mm -hmm. It gets to the point, though, with monks, where it's like, how do I hurt you? You're not wrong, because wait for it. At fifth level, you get an extra attack. That's pretty standard with all of the martial classes. Sure. Stunning Strike is also at fifth level. Fuck me. The I goddamn hate everywhere. This. Because you use one, only one key point. Don't tell me that Oh, you don't have many. No, you have as many as you need because Stunning Strike. God damn. One of these is too much. Because you force a con save, which is 8, plus your wisdom, which is huge, plus your proficiency, right? And the person is stunned if they fail until the end of your next turn. Which means you chain four or five of these things together. There's a monk in the party. Your big bad evil guy never gets to speak. 
he will not get his monologue off. The monks are going to walk up and be like, Bing! yeah, and you're done, right? That's it. That's this just it kills me. I, I have to put the beholder floating forty feet up in the air to get away from the monk, right? Yes, Dan. Interesting wording, since we're pulling apart wording. Yeah. Um, when you hit another creature with a melee weapon attack. Yep. We've already determined that unarmed strikes can count as that. But this means if you're playing like a Kensai or using your monk weapon or something, you could still stunning strike with your normal monk weapon. You don't have to hit them with an unarmed attack to do it. No. Every single monk I've ever seen has been like, well, I got to punch them to do the stunning strike. Like, because they're thinking like, oh, I got to do like a five little point thing that they saw on Kill Bill or something. Right? Where they lock up the person by pushing pressure. I never ever thought of it as being um, a five finger, no, a five finger weird point thing. For me, it was you punch them in the jaw and you stun them. I was always always pressure point. Like, I've been punched in the solar plexus where you just can't breathe for a couple of seconds, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what I think of a sunning strike, where you just hit them in the pressure point. But to do that with a weapon? Well, I'm thinking that you're doing that with your bow staff, or I like the idea of doing it with a whip. It's a, and it's it's a strike. You are striking them. You're not... Yeah. Oh, with a whip, you could do it 15 feet away. Yeah, this is a game changer. Yeah. Stunning strike at fifth level is nuts. This is a game changer, and uh, DMs are going to scream, especially because shit gets even crazier from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, at sixth level, you get your key-empowered strikes, which are unarmed strikes, uh, are now magical. They act as magical weapons. Um, not your monk weapon. Only your unarmed strike. You yep. can punch a ghost, but you can't stab it. Okay. Well, that's well, that's regular science anyway. So yeah, obviously that's that's how ghosts work in the real world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That movie goes to Patrick Swayze. Good movie. Uh, yep. I just wish he got stabbed more. Okay. Well, he's dead. So too, too soon, Dan. <laughs> At seventh level, you get evasion. Uh, Let's just move on to Whoopi Goldberg. Then, <laughs> evasion is hey, Whoopi is an international treasure, and you leave her alone. At 7th level, you get evasion. That's when uh, you... Anytime that you have to make a deck save, on a success, you don't take any damage, and on a failure, you take half damage. This is that goddamn rogue bullshit all over again. I love it. Yeah, I know you do, but you love it because you love the min-max, and your monk is... No, I love it because it's flavorful as hell as well. Yeah, but how do you avoid bomb? Like, it's... (laughs) Well, it's just like any other kung fu movie. Like you see the guy doing like that inhuman back, like backward bend in order to miss get miss getting hit by that one, you know, fiery explosion, explosion or something. Yeah, I don't know. When I drop a nuke on you, I feel like you should die. A fireball's not a nuke. I tell that to the goblin. I just cast it. Off. <laughs> so look, um, and it specifically says fireball in the damn um, yeah. ruling as well, right? Like. This is nuts. You, you'll never, almost never hit a, a monk with a trap now, right? That isn't magical. Most of them are, are blades and darts. It's and just crawl- dicks. Uh, you could attack their con, attack their charisma, attack their int. All right. Can you please tell me how you attack somebody's intelligence without using a magical trap? Well, no, it's a magical trap. That's what I'm saying, though. With a non-magical trap, really your only option is, poof, there's powder. And how many times do you do that? Right before it gets old, real fast. It the monk is so powerful, it's limiting. Brain freeze. <laughs> yeah, that's, I've never heard anybody use use a uh, con for brain freeze before, but I like it. Remember yeah. that, guys. Write that down. Those there we go. Home. Terry wins this episode. Uh, you get 
an inspiration die. You get a D4 for coming up. Do I really? Yep. What's it going to add? It? Yeah, um, you can add it to, to okay. any one of our D20 uh, rolls. Why? But you're the furthest away from the box of dice. Oh, you have another box of dice behind you. Okay, Dan, just, he won't leave the house without a box of dice. And so, you continue. Uh, also, at 7th level, you get Stillness of Mind, which you can use an action to end one effect that causes you to be frightened or charmed. I'm okay with it. Yep, cool. That Me too. I don't care. That's going to rarely come up. I've also seen it played where it's like immunity from that. No, you're spending your action to end it. Yeah, it's on your turn. You waste your turn. You can't do any flurry of blows. You can't do a bonus action to hit. You automatically get success and you, yeah. and you wipe it away. But it is on your turn. You are not immune to being frightened or charmed. And, and, it, and it is your action, right? And that yeah, that's yeah. huge. You essentially take a moment to go. <sighs> yeah, okay. and that's important to know. Um, I'm trying to fight back a sneeze. I will not be the first person to sneeze on this podcast. I did it last episode. You're good. Oh, get back in me. Get in my body. Name your sex tape. I don't think anybody heard Terry just whisper that. <laughs> Terry just whispered, get back in me, get in my body. <laughs> so... Um, my so I have no problem with this 10th level you get uh, purity of body this one pisses me off and this is another wording thing and Dan you're going to twitch mastery of key uh, your mastery of key that is flowing through you it's to make you immune to disease and poison this is another session zero thing you need to talk about because immune to disease and poison which fucking poison because there are three in Dungeons and Dragons. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, there's the poison damage. There's the poison condition. Yeah. But there's also, if you drink fucking poison, which one is this? Because to me, it sounds like if you drink poison. Because there's all sorts of poison stuff out there that means that you can't sleep. Or you slowly lose con, one point of con over every day for the next ten days. Yeah. You, like, which one is this? Because it's not all of them. I'd say it's all of them. You, yes, you would, because you like to min-max your characters. Well, no, no, no. As a DM, I would say it's all of them. Okay, no, as a DM, I would say, I understand that when you get bitten by a snake, that we use, quote-unquote, poison damage. But that, my friend, is toxin. That's just... It's like, venom. And I know you're saying that's splitting hairs, but it's not splitting hairs. That is what it is. You're taking a venomous bite. We just don't have 900 different ways of, of saying damage, right? Well, I this is very much... Every other indication anywhere in the player's handbook or the monster manual specifically says poison damage or poisoned condition. This, and I think in Druid, and maybe in Elf too, they're the only ones that say poison. Without any sort of I, indication. I think they do that intentionally. It has to be a blanket statement for all of them. It needs to say both. And it often does in other places. So the fact that it doesn't, this feels like an omission. And I would really like there to be an errata about this. Because there needs to be a definitive answer. Jeremy Crawford, call me. Fuck. I'm just, I, I'm <laughs> mad about this. Call him back. Yeah. There might be an errata about it. Let's be completely honest. I looked. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I went a little bit nuts about this because I do not like the immo immune to all disease and poison. Because right now, this you, you can't hit this guy with anything. You can't even be sneaky to get him, right? Um, I don't mind this if you are proficient with a poisoner's kit because you get like artisan's tools. Yeah. But now even the, even the, you said the puff of smoke, how, how long is that going to last? Well, you don't even get to use that now. Yeah, so this doesn't feel, I was going to say it doesn't feel fair. Especially when it's stacked up against someone like a fighter. Or someone, even like a druid. 
right? The fact that you're getting evasion and you're getting your you can shrug off charm and frighten. You've just become you can, the best fighter ever. The fighter in their heavy armor with their great sword is like, fuck you. You're getting the same amount of attacks as me, except I can't run up a vertical surface, backflip my way across a lake, and then if I fall into the poison darts or whatever, it doesn't even affect me. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I avoided half of them anyway. I avoided the first two traps altogether. Got hit by the third. Yeah. Shrugged it off. Redirected the last one. Yeah, right? So all of this just seems a little overwhelming to me as far as what we're doing, considering that we are at 10th goddamn level. So, level 13, you get Tongue of the Sun and Moon. I don't mind this. You touch the minds of others with your key, and you understand all spoken languages. And if creatures can understand a language, they understand you. Talk to your DM beforehand, but whether or not dogs understand language. When you give them a verbal command, is that a condition? Have they been conditioned? Have they been trained? Or do they understand language? Because I do not believe this lets you talk to dogs. Dogs do not comprehend your language. They are, it's a familiar sound. That is what I am saying, yeah. I, yeah. You and I are on the same page. I'd say like an ogre, sure, but there's yeah. got to be an intelligence limit on this yeah. as well. So I'm not applying this to beasts. Yeah, they're just listening to the way. Dogs just understand the pattern of how you say it. Yeah. And suddenly, all of the weird monster languages in the monster manual suddenly open up for you, yeah. right? Like Bullywug. Who takes Bullywug as a known language, right? It just bothers me that it's monks that, that get this and not like... Bards? Or wizards. Well, they get they get tongues. It's essentially the same damn thing. Yeah, but... And it's because it's spoken word only, right? It's not written script. True, but they get it for free. At all times. There's no spending of key. There's nothing to do it. This is the thing that you have a problem with, Dan? No, no, 13th I'm... level, being able to talk to a fucking frog person? Uh... <laughs> okay. He never said anything about it, the French, it, so you leave him alone. It's, it's not just talking to the frog person at 13th level. It's Can also we call being able him to... French, please? <laughs> have some bloody respect. Or bullywugs. <laughs> <laughs> Bullywugs. Same thing. Write that down, Daffit. New name for French people. Bullywugs. But it's like, you are now able to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with an Aboleth. Or have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with an ancient evil of some sort or an ancient good of some sort. Like, there's, there is no barrier of language there for you, for your character at all. And it's because of this mystical key energy. I feel like but, by level like, 13, you should have an item that lets you talk to shit anyway. But at level 13, a wizard should have the ability mm. to learn those languages. The, how this game does languages bothers me. It's one of my few problems of 50. Yeah. Like how it does too. it. Like you get your race language, common, and whatever your background gets you, and you never get anything else unless you take some magical item or you get tongues. Or you do the linguist feat. Because, or you do the linguist because it because then it just negates all of that. Yeah. So it it just I liked in past editions how you could choose an additional amount of languages as per your intelligence modifier. Yeah, um, and does it say is it speak and understand? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you can understand when they speak, and they can understand when you speak. Okay. 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 But that's it. So I, yeah, I just don't. I don't like it. I think that language barriers should be a, a, um, uh, an issue throughout the whole game. All the way through. It's just, a, it's another part of exploration. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, so at 14th level, you get Diamond Soul. You gain proficiency in all your saving throws. Fuck off. And you can re-roll. <laughs> How do we kill them? And you can re-roll a failure once, but you must use a second roll. Double fuck off, right? Uh, 15th level, you get Timeless Body, which means you do not get the frailty of old age, and you cannot be aged magically. You still age. 
it just doesn't hold you back. Think about the wizened old like Yoda or Splinter. Master just, yeah, right. Like, and that's that's what we're talking about here. Um, you also don't need food or water. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. So now, so now, Adam, we can't even send them out into the desert to kill them. <laughs> no, the way you kill a monk is with a big fuck-off hammer. Wait, wait, wait for it, dude. <laughs> no, they'll avoid that. Yeah, yeah just don't no, throw it because they'll catch it. Their AC's still low. By, their, by their 15th level. Yeah, their AC's 20. You have a plus... By the time you're level 15, you have a plus... 18 to hit? Yeah, yeah, but that's... So yeah, but they, they also used a bonus action to fucking dodge, right? Assuming they didn't disengage altogether. Yeah, fair enough. And then they ran across the goddamn water, Daniel. Anyway, <laughs> um... <laughs> at they ran across level, the lake. <laughs> you get empty body as an action. You can use four key points. I don't mind this. It's the first time we've heard so far of more than one key point, and it takes up your action. You become invisible for one minute. This is the part that I hate. This is not the spell. There are no conditions on this. You are just invisible, which means you can fucking attack. And you have how many key points at this point? 14? Uh, 18. 18, so. 18. Oh, so you spent four to turn invisible during the encounter, but don't worry, you still have 14 left. Wait for it. And while you're invisible, you are resistant to all damage except force damage. How the fuck do we hurt these people? <laughs> exactly. Like, Emotionally. Emotion. That's all I have left is <laughs> a DM What is left? Endless magic I'm going to go burn down the monastery. That's it. Yeah. Endless magic missiles. Yeah, but you have to target them and you don't know what space they're in because one of their fucking proficiencies is goddamn stealth. Anyway... Also with this, you can use, instead of four, you can use eight key points to cast... I mean, I guess you could do it as well on the next turn. Eight key points to cast Astral Projection on yourself. You don't need material components, and you do not get to bring other people with you. Which means you can visit the Astral Sea, and it means you can kind of, like, leap across areas with your mind and whatnot. Yeah, like, it sort of suggests, I, I'm into this one. I like this suggests that you kind of make it a journey to speak to somebody or have some sort of... I wish there was more flavor in, in this factor um, on this side of the monk instead of just, you avoid damage, you avoid all damage, you just cannot be damaged is everything that they get, right? Um, you can hit that guy, you can hit him again. You can make him so he can't hit you, but you can hit him three times, right? That's what the monk is. And you know what? Like I say, I like the monk, but it's so limiting because it is so overpowered that you never want to leave the monk. Mm-hmm. So, at level 20, you get perfect self. Oh my fucking god. Which, the only thing I know, it's, it's you're just good looking. That's you're all, just no, okay. good. So, when you roll initiative with zero key points, you immediately get four key points. So now, so now you have 22 key points, you don't have 18. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, no, this is at level you have 20. To burn so you, have 20. The you have to burn through the 20. You have and to burn through the 20 and then still have more encounters. But he, what's interesting here is it says zero key, which means if, if I'm the DM and I'm like, oh shit, I'm keeping track and he's got two key points left or one key point left. Oh yeah, and he just kills over and dies and the encounter's over. Roll initiative for the next guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And now that guy's like, ah oh, shit, I got one. I got one key point. Guys, can we take a short rest? But then also you're level 20, so who gives a damn? Someone's going to cast fucking catnap and everybody's fine again, right? Like, uh, it's a level 20. I don't mind this. It's a weird rule and it feels like it's, it's just an add on. There's no flavor to it. There's nothing in the text about why you are this way. Just that you are this way. There's, I mean, I remember 3.5. It was all about through years of meditation and study, you have perfected the, uh, the perfect body and you are one with every molecule in your system. And it gives you this flavor in fit that it's like, nah, nah, fuck you get key points. Well, do you know what? I actually like, you know, there's always the old trope of the bard and the rogue are best friends. Yeah. I like the idea that the 
the uh, the monk would be best friends with the rogue would be best friends with the bard and just at one point just hey fuck watch this man just like grabs a vial of bleach or something just starts necking it <laughs> nothing nothing <laughs> and I don't know why oh man I could just picture monks just like eating Tide Pods and grinning uh, to look at the barbarian going you try it come on yeah how's your con safe come on or just this. accidentally just <laughs> running up the wall one day and yeah. they just be like I don't know I just woke up and I could do this it's fucking weird yeah. <laughs> Spider Man um, see for all this strength the monk does have one major weakness and we keep on bringing it up almost everything they do that involves spending key which has to be everything is a bonus action you only have one of those a turn no there's a bunch of stuff in here that was i know but like you're managing, no, that was reaction too sorry yeah you're managing your flurry of blows your patient defense your step of the wind you're managing like all of these other things which require you to spend the key but you have so many uses of bo- your bonus action, you're going to get caught flat-footed because there's going to be something that could hit you because you're not spending that ability wisely because you have a it's okay. ton of okay. bonus it's, action. It's, but, but the word to this is eventually the fighter and the paladin have already been dealing with this shit all the way through you spending your key. Look, look, yes, I, but I, the I, paladin I, and the fighter get magic armor and magic weapons. You don't. Not automa- automatically? Well, no, but you can build up into it. A monk never. A monk doesn't get magic armor. What are you They're talking not about? They're not allowed to wear armor. Yeah, I know. Absolutely not. You get magic gauntlets or key. magic amulet. Or right? I've, I, yeah, I've been handing out like like bandages to wrap around your hands. But by, their, by their class, fighters and paladins don't just automatically get magic stuff. So you're saying... Well, yeah, but they're probably going to get magic things. So well, no, right. the you, monks- you take that into uh, uh, account when you're doing uh, balancing out the classes. You would take that into account. There's a certain uh, level of power that is given to you by yeah, the Yeah, but these guys are getting magic items as well. It's yeah, not, that's what it's we're not, saying. It's not the fighter and the paladin are getting them. The monk isn't. The, yeah, monk's the, monk, still getting the monk is getting as many as the freaking barbarian is. And need, just because neither of them are wearing armor, right? The monk still has a weapon for their main attack. Right? Fair enough, yeah. So I, I'm still going to give the monk a giant fucking katana blade. He's still walking around like Cloud. Right? Like, he's, he's still carrying this damn thing. And and it's going to be badass and cool, but he can also throw 900 elbows as well, right? I Look, he has more key points and the warlock has spell slots than the, than the paladin has smites, right? Then the ranger has spells... Then the sorcerer has meta magic. So you saying that they got to manage this resource doesn't doesn't ring with me. Honestly, they they have more than the average, and it's except at the high levels, it's all one key point at a time. And you're really not blowing more than one on a round. We're not looking into their monastic traditions yet, which do blow their key points rather quickly. Yeah, but you also get a whole bunch of other wacky bullshit with that as well. Some of them. Yeah. But before we jump into that, let us roll initiative. I want to know when you're building a monk what. Race do you pick? Ooh. I got a two. Terry and I both got an eleven. See that inspiration die helped you. Thank you, Adam. So we have to we have to re-roll Terry. Let me just log into my laptop. One, two, three, four. Is that your freaking passwords? One, two, three, four. Did yeah, you just announce that? Okay. Terry goes first. Me? Yes, I do. Oh wait. <laughs> Terry holds his action. Let me now bring up the wrong podcast. There we go. The, uh, the wrong podcast. Which race am I choosing? Yeah, for a monk. Okay. Well, um, you know, if I was min-maxing or thinking tactically, which I don't, I'll probably go wood elf. But I don't think like that. I think what would be super goofy and kind of different and probably really funny. Um, so I would maybe go. I like the idea of your Minotaur. The Minotaur is a great choice. That yeah. is very much Kung Fu Panda bad guy right yeah. there. 
Um, he feels Kung Fu Panda bad guy too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I might actually enjoy something like uh, like a tiefling, I think. Go for a little bit of a nightcrawler style. Which is interesting because they get intelligence and charisma. Yeah. But that doesn't bother me. No, That's okay. no, no, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would like that. Um, yeah, Monk with Hellish Rebuke would work for me. <laughs> that Yeah, I like that. So if you do get hit, then you just light them on fire. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the one time that you get hit this session. <laughs> Dan, which, uh, which, which race is your favorite Yeah, you can... Uh, I'm, I'm going to lean into my uh, reputation as a guy who probably builds a little bit more powerful characters. Probably? Probably, Dan? Probably. Yeah. Uh, I'd go Lightfoot Halfling. Lightfoot Halfling? Yeah. They get their... <laughs> you all right, Terry? What's wrong, Terry? <laughs> Just be bigger. <laughs> so I go... Stop being small. No, like legitimately, I would, I would play a Lightfoot Halfling with this guy. They they play well into monks. The, the size doesn't really matter at that point, and you're still moving fairly quickly. <laughs> but, to appease, that, that. but to appease Terry... The idea of a dragonborn monk has always been appealing to me. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why? Um, I want a character just once to grab a guy by the shoulders, hold him there expertly, and unleash a fire breath right in a dude's face. I love that. There's I, something about that visual that just makes me want to roll up. fucking unload on Just be like, Bruh, and like, go black dragonborn, and it's yeah. acid. And you're just like spewing, uh, like you're vomiting all over the like face. him in the middle of their monologue, just unload into their mouth. Yeah, Fucking, right. Yeah, and just all over their face and chest, <laughs> just unload. All right. So, so that's interesting. But why does it have to be a monk to do that? Why can't a fighter or a barbarian? Well, you'd have to use take, high strength you, because remember to grapple, you need an athletics check, which means you'd have to take that. And you're probably not making strength one of your main stats, right? Uh, if you're dragonborn, your strength's going to be pretty decent. It is, but like I would just say that um, the. the there's the image of it in my head. Yeah, yeah, you it's cool. Armor, yeah, right, sure. it's just it's just that cool image of it. Yeah, I'm into um, it. Especially when you take into account the draconic feats as well, which are fairly uh, awesome when you take a monk into account, where they can now have claws, and you're you could do uh, punching and piercing damage. You well, get a little bit more AC than you yeah. typically would. Like it, it's I, I I like the idea of a dragon board. So my realistic answer, what I if I was to play at a more tactics game, I'm playing a halfling. Sorry, Terry. But I want to play a dragonborn monk. Look, honestly... Okay, I hear what you're saying. And I'm fine with that. Monks scream elf and tabaxi to me, right? That's that's who a monk is. And everyone makes the turtle monk. Can we just move past that? Yeah. Right? So, my answer is the triton. Because, oh. using Dan's bullshit water rules... They're yours now, Dan. For some reason, I will always associate these with you. Sure, why but, not? Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with you always associating correct rules with me. I'm good with that. <laughs> Pedantic oh. bullshit rule. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so, um, so, I'm going to say a yeah. triton because I love the idea of swimming up to the water and then running the fuck across it. And that is not an issue if you complete your movement. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you, you just pop it's just up. It's a tactic of anything. Yeah, 14, like 40 feet from the damn boat. And you just run across it, then up the side of the boat, land there, trident a guy in the face. Do you get a trident? No, it's probably not a trident. Yeah, short sword a guy in the face. And then turn around and dive off. Yeah. Or just whatever is, is attacking you from the water, you just deal with it in the water. Yeah. I just like run up, beat the shit out of it, and then just submerge yourself again, or run back to the side of the ship and hold on to the net that's hanging off the side of it until your next turn. At which point you let go, launch yourself with your crazy ass jump uh, as well. With the what was it? That was the step of the wind. 
right? I don't know. I really like Triton. I think that's that would be neat and flavorful, especially if you were to do something like a like Ghost that. of Salt Marsh, right? Yeah. So, anyway, guys, uh, let's head to a commercial. Dan? Commercial? Dan, we're doing a commercial. Okay. No, which means you have to hit the button so the commercial plays. Are you interested in advertising or becoming a sponsor on our show? Email us at info at itsamimic.com. Hey, hey, hold up, hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get back to the regular show, I, DM Dan, need to warn you loyal listeners about the impending cosmic horror on the horizon. It's September 2019, which means we're less than a month away from the Elder God Nyarthotep breaking free from his arctic slumber and wreaking chaos and madness upon the world. Five unsuspecting citizens will enter Radiance Yukon before the sun sets for 37 days, but not all of them will survive to see it rise again. As darkness descends on the sleepy town of Radiance in the Canadian north, and the baleful howl of unknown monsters carries far and wide on the frigid winter winds, join me, Terry, Adam, and three others in an actual play series as we go back in time to 1922 and crack open the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. There will be ten episodes as we count down to Halloween. And I can promise you cultists, bloodshed, body horror, murder, oppressive doom, and inappropriate laughter. Stay tuned for the end of September, when I, Daniel, the keeper of arcane secrets, use the most sinister of tabletop role-playing games to bring you the disturbing and twisted tale that I like to call The Deep Dark of Radiance. Instead of And We're Back, I will say, also, we have returned. Let's talk about the subclasses. You mean also? You don't <laughs> say anything. Yes, but also, we have returned. Yeah, that, I was following up. It was in the same breath as the... Fuck you guys. God damn it. All right, so uh, let's roll initiative. Everybody knows how this goes. We have grabbed the um, three classes in the player's handbook, and uh, we're going to roll to see who goes first. Oh, uh, you tried. Dad. I actually tried to avoid it. Uh, no, you fucking around. did it. No, I tried to avoid. Well, be better at sports and skill games then, Dan, because that was abysmal. I what Dan just tried to do was try to. He says he didn't mean to, but I think he did. Hit my die to knock it over, and it did one very slow, full rotation, landed back in the same. See, he's right about one rule, and suddenly he thinks he runs the podcast. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> hey, hey, Daniel. come on. Language. Terry, you're Holy first. Book. Oh, and what am I doing? My, uh, my, uh, sub-class. Sub, my subclass. God, I like 36 episodes into this shit. Yeah, but we on. didn't say that to the, we didn't say that to the Our last episode did. we recorded was a class episode. Okay. Okay, fine. You want me to say it? I don't fucking listen all the time, right? <laughs> I'm you guys doing, give me shit for not listening. I'm doing way of the shit. Sometimes the people at home don't know that. I just fucking walk off for a little <laughs> bit, get a drink and I come back. I'm doing way of the shadow. Which, and I'm not just saying this because it's what I'm doing, I think is my favorite one. Because really? I read one, it was this one, and I decided that I liked it. Probably <laughs> wouldn't like the others. I gotta say, Way of the Four Elements, not great. <laughs> Wait for it. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's go through these class abilities then. So, starting at third level, you get Shadow Arts with Way of the Shadow. You can use your key to duplicate the effects of certain spells. As an action, you can spend... Two key points to cast Darkness, Dark Vision, Pass Without a Trace, or Silence, without providing material uh, components. Additionally, you gain the Minor Illusion cantrip if you don't already know it. Essentially, what Way of the Shadow is, is you are the traditional ninja. 
Okay, is, is the way I look at it. Yep, is the way is a way you can build Didn't it. Didn't Ninja used to be a rogue subclass in previous editions? Yes, it feels like they've shifted. That it, the it's also thing. been its own separate class. Those Pathfinder was its own separate yeah, class. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, but no, it feels like they shifted it into monk, which I like, but also explains all the evasion nonsense and the dash disengage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shit from earlier. So yeah, and I mean, pass without choice. Sure, I mean that puts uh, that essentially. Quietens everybody or puts the you know the the shroud of shadows around everybody. But if I wanted to be stealthy and I had this ability, I would just cast silence over the sleeping victim I'm about to assassinate. Yeah, I think pass without trace does more than that though, because what it does is it allows you to literally not leave tracks and shit behind. Mm-hmm. So this would be like I think when I think of pass without trace, it is a ranger ability to hide the tracks when you think you may be being followed. Yeah. Um. I mean, you guys know how I like to fuck with the environment as well during uh, during encounters. So, so you keep lighting forest fires. Yeah, <laughs> careful, careful, because ever since that last trip down to Brazil, they've been mad. Nope, the forests. Nope, no, no, no. Too soon. Too soon on that one. All Too right. soon. On well, that this one. isn't coming out for a couple of weeks, so I guess that's fair. Okay, okay, let's move on. Uh, at sixth level, you gain uh, Shadow Step, which is the ability to step from one shadow into another, and I fucking love this. When you are in dim light or darkness, as a bonus action, you can teleport up to 60 feet to an unoccupied space uh, that you can see that is also in dim light or darkness. You then have advantage on the first melee attack you make before the end of the turn. I fucking hate that. What level is that? That's a sixth Six. level. Adam? That's goddamn insanity. Although, I, I have you a know, question. Yeah. And you may find this interesting. It's up to 60 feet. Um, and it's a uh, space that you can see. If it's d- in darkness, yeah. how far can you see? Well, that's why you're casting dark vision on yourself with the previous skill. Well, it's, then in, you... it's in dim light or darkness, right? Dim light or darkness, but you have to be able to see where you're going. Um, I, I love the idea of like the human just completely in darkness going, ha-ha! And just like in into a fucking wall, just teleport. <laughs> just like, like what happened to Jeremy? Oh, he's fucking dead. Into the middle of the tower where they like, going up the stairs and yeah. you're on the tower. Just, just <laughs> uh, I I am annoyed that this doesn't t- take key to do. It's that look. I'm always going to complain about this until I remembered how much I love the Gloomstalker fucking ranger, and so I'm going to give this one a free pass. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> that, that shit's insane. Essentially, you're just bouncing around from point to point, beating the shit out of people, and the warlock that took all that time to level up to get Blink is like, what the fuck? What, uh, what, sorry, what part of your action or it's your bonus. turn? It is a bonus. So right. you're not flurrying. Well, you know what? It, I'm cool with it. If it's taking up your bonus action, most of your key point shit that you're doing that's really cool is bonus action. So, I, you know, I'm all right with it. So at sixth level as a monk, you are moving an additional 15 feet around. So if you're running a base class, you're running 45 feet around. So if you use your no, action well, as well, a let's dash, exaggerate. Let's go wood elf. We get 35 feet. Okay, let's 35 go, feet. It's 50 feet. So 110 feet before you dashed. 110 feet before you so that's your what, that's bonus it. action to add another 60 feet as a teleport at the end of that. Yeah. Look, at that, level 6, you're moving 170 feet across the field. You want to know, okay, you want to know why I like the monk for, for the movement thing, and I didn't really complain about how far they move, is because I absolutely goddamn love the hidden portcullis in a dungeon. So that now, monk now or that rogue, apart. yeah, that monk or that rogue with their D8 hit dice are running in front of everybody else, yeah. and then I can't believe Dan luck. hasn't use this character because you fucking love running laps around no I really don't that is blown up in his face because he could keep splitting the party right and you have 
Well, you get further away from everybody else. I, you always do this in a large area, right? You're like, I can do it. I'll get there quickly. And everyone else is like, I'm at the bottom of initiative, Dan. <laughs> right? And the monsters go next. And I will, as a DM, cut you off every time. Yeah. And so you get, you're hurt by this. So this is one of those things that I like to use against you. Anyway, keep going, Okay. Terry. So um, Cloak of Shadows by 11th Shadows. level. Huh? There's just more shadow. I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm shadow, like, shadow, shadow. Shadow, shadow, shadow. Is it like synonymous with edgelord now like by, so no, that's by, still the rogue by oh, okay. 11th level you have learned to become one with the shadows when you are in an area of dim light or darkness you can use your action to become invisible you remain invisible until you make an attack cast a spell or in an or are in an area of bright light i absolutely hate this only because I'm thinking about the drow that is chasing you through the tunnels, right? And you get away from all the torches, and you turn the corner, and they can still see in dark vision. And you just turn the to- corner and go, blink, and you're gone. Yeah. That drives me nuts. The drow should still be able to see you. You, you become one of the shadows is a little nuts. What level is this? 11. Well, that's Too 11. low. Um, 17th level, opportunist. At 17th level, you can exploit a creature's momentary distraction when it is hit by an attack. Whenever a creature within five feet of you is hit by an attack made by a creature other than you, you can use your reaction to make a melee attack against that creature. Oh, you get another attack. Good, good. I like that. Good. Good. So it's fun. More attacks? Honestly, I feel like this should be swapped with Cloak of Shadows. Cloak of Shadows should be the 17th level. This should be the 11th. Yeah. You, what, you, okay, you want to know about invisibility? Here's the thing, and we always give it a whole lot of shit because flavorfully, it's overpowered. But mechanically, it's only disadvantage. Yeah, flavor yeah. flavor is overpowered. But if you pair Shadow Step with Cloak of Shadows, you turn invisible if you're in an area of darkness. And end and up then somewhere you else. Yeah. Move 60 feet into an area of darkness where you just are invisible innately, no key spent, nothing like that. You're just, I teleport into that shadow and I'm invisible. Yeah, but you know what? When I've got a, uh, what is this? The way of the. Way of the shadow. Some really? Wait, wait, the, wait, the shadow? No, this is then? opportunist. Was it shadow? Opportunist. I don't think Terry said shadow. No, I don't think he said shadow enough. So, no, but um, I just, I really feel like if this is going to show up, I'm giving you guys... My character's name would be Shadow. <laughs> just Shadow. I, I bet it would. No, it'd be Sha, and your last name would be Doe. Would I do that? Mr. Sha Doe. I wouldn't do that. You I, I do 100% that. would do that. Yes, yeah. you would. I would do and that I would shit. hate it. i take my fantasy very seriously. <laughs> No, I, I feel like I'm just going to throw a whole lot of fire giants at this guy. Yeah. Right? Like, there's just going to be a lot of flame. I want... A lot light. of light clerics. Yeah. There's just going to be... You're up against radiant shit all the time. Sickening radiance is going to hit you. Every kobold will have the ability to cast sickening radiance. Right? <laughs> Fuck. Just carrying a torch. Sickening radiance. It's like, you know what? I feel you like the bad guys... light it. The, 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 the big bad evil guy was handing out wands of magic missile. Yeah. For, like, the entire campaign to every minion that was wolves fucking had it strapped to their neck right like, <laughs> Duffed write that down so anyway I, I don't know I like that it seems a little overpowered but I mean the monk is the same anyway. that's yeah. it alright my turn um, uh, no you rolled a three my friend I got a six no I tied with Terry and then we that was on up. the previous one that was on the races okay cool yeah yep. go ahead um, I got way of the open hand and I'm gonna go through this really quickly because it's one that everyone reads this is the first one, and everyone reads this and goes, okay, I'm done. That's all I need. Yep. The Ultimate Masters of Martial Arts. You start off with, a, at third level, the open hand technique. Let me say this. Whenever you hit a creature <laughs> with one of the attacks granted by your flurry of blows, you can impose one of the following effects on the target. It must succeed on a deck save or be knocked prone. It must succeed on a saving throw, uh, strength save. And if it fails, you can push it up to 15 feet away from you. This is third level. 
or it can't take reactions until the end of your next turn. All of this is nuts. <laughs> I just, all of that is nuts. At all third level, yeah. But here's the thing that I really want to go back to. Whenever you hit a creature with one of the attacks granted by your flurry of blows. So that means every time you use your flurry of blows. That's not... And that's one of the attacks associated. And because you could attack two different things with your flurry of blows. Oh, it's, it's not when you hit a creature for the first time. It's whenever you hit a creature. If I hit you with the first one of my attacks, and then I hit you with the second one of my attacks, both of them can do this thing. So first I knock you down, and then I kick you 15 feet. Right? Like, that's just fucking batshit. Well, this, this is your uh, Ip Man monk. This is your, like... Really high-end, Wing Chun, like, martial arts monk. But did you hear how many key points that cost on top of the Flurry of Blows? Zero. None. Fucking none. My god, you've just destroyed this entire battlefield. I'm never, as a DM, putting an encounter beside a cliff. As a player, I am only ever playing beside a cliff. Right? Because <laughs> that's it. That's how I'm going to run this. Dungeon Master, where's the nearest cliff? <laughs> or campfire. <laughs> can someone please... Uh, excuse me, Rogue. Can you please dash your bonus action over there? Open the manhole cover. We'll be with you shortly. <laughs> so, um, at six levels, mind. you get wholeness of body. We already have, like, perfect self and all that nonsense. But now, as an action, you can heal equal to three times your monk level what once the, for long rest. What the fuck? That's that's better than freaking second wind that fighters get. Yep. yep. Uh, at 11th level, you get tranquility, which means at the end of a long rest, you get all the effects of the sanctuary spell. Which is the one where the attackers have to make a save, a wisdom save, 8 plus wisdom plus your proficiency. So that's what they're saving against. And nobody is good at wisdom saves in the monster manual. They're precious fucking few and if they fail they have to hit somebody else they won't attack you and if they can't reach anyone else they just won't attack they just burn their action and that's it let me tell you as a person who played a fighter alongside a monk they're fucking annoying to be honest (laughs) look here's why i like this this sounds insane but it suddenly makes sense. You guys remember Kill Bill with the crazy 88 and they're all waiting for their turn to go? I just assume they're all failing the save. Only three of the 88 made it on the first round. Yeah. And then four made it on the second round. Because I've never understood why the 88 of them did not all just run forward with blades. It, it, yeah. It's like the putties in freaking Power Rangers or the yeah. foot soldiers in Ninja Turtles. They all wait their turn to go. Yeah. And now... This makes sense. I understand why now. Because because the good guy always has Sanctuary cast on them. Huh. Yep. Yeah. Well, there we are there, then. Um, 17th level is the Quivering Palm. Because <laughs> why the fuck not? Okay, I just want to point out, that a lot of stuff in the Monk just sounds like various jerking off techniques. If oh, absolutely. Me. Yeah. The way of the open hand is obviously the two-handed one, but it can still be done. Yeah. So, Quivering Palm. This is when your unarmed strike hits a creature. You use only three key points to start... So it takes more to go invisible than it is to do this bullshit. You start imperceptible vibrations that last for a number of days equal to your fucking monk level. At 17th level. So up to two and a half weeks to start. At any point, you can trigger it. It does. You don't have to do anything. It just triggers. And they have to make a con save. And if they fail, they're reduced to zero hit points. If they succeed... They take 10d10 necrotic damage. Woof. And you can end this without causing any harm whenever you want. And you can only choose one target at a time with this. But still, if I land a single hit on the enemy that is escaping, I can just drop them to zero. If the politician, if we need to go stop the politician from from making a speech or whatever, I just have to 
hit him. Oh, by accident. I'm sorry. I tripped and I pop. There you are. Right. And quivering palm. Three key points. Sounds like you're triggering a heart attack. That's I, that's exactly what yeah. this is. Yeah. Right. And I just feel like this is. <coughs> Wait, if he's going, I'm going. <coughs> Your turn. I smoked for over 10 years, guys, and I am the one. You know what? Fuck. All right. So this is ridiculous, but I'd like to point out that they do not say the, the person or the creature dies. They do say it drops to zero hit points, which means it's going to trigger all that crazy zombie bullshit about getting to re-roll to see if you get back up with one hit point. It also, I would say, puts bosses into death saves. Yep. Right? And they would probably have an attendant nearby. that would, They would be like, holy shit, that was scary. Now I've got to fuck this party up, right? So this is really cool, but at 17th level, anyone you're doing this to, like, you can do this to a dragon, and I love the idea of a dragon dropping out of the fucking sky. Like, it takes off, you hit it. That's when I would use it against flyers. It, especially yeah. with a lot of dragons that have regional effects when they die as well. Like, you could you could really mess up an entire geological area with this as well. This is one of those things where I, I feel like, you know what? In the combat itself, it doesn't hurt. Although, you on the next round, you can just be like, drop, bitch, and down they go. Right? This, to me, as a DM, makes me very nervous to see what nonsense they're going to do. And they can do this at 17th level. They, they can only do it to one enemy at a time, but assuming they drop that enemy on the, on the end of their own turn, because there's no limiting factor to this, you can just reduce up to, what is that, five people to zero hit points for five rounds in a row. I can throw five fucking dragons at you, and if you can hit, all five of those dragons are unconscious making death saves. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. They have to fail, they have to fail the constitution save. Right. I don't understand why constructs and undead aren't immune to this as well. I would just feel like they, like a ghost should be immune. There's nothing about that in here. No. Right? Or even a zombie. That's necrotic damage. But sure. They're not immune. They're resistant. Some are immune. Okay, fine. So it's not going to work on your shadow. But your ghoul should still be. Yep. This shouldn't work on a ghoul. This shouldn't work on a Modron. Right? You're not stopping their heart. So, I don't know. I, it's a little weird to me, but uh, but I like this. As a player, I would abuse the fuck out of this. As a DM, this makes me nervous. I'm like, okay, guys, we're level 17, and uh, we're going to level one level per session until this shit is done. Because yeah. you guys have fucking broken the game now. And so, there we go. That's that's way of the open palm. Well. Or the Sorry, the open hand technique from the way of the open hand. Cool. Daniel? Um, I got the last, uh, like the short end of the stick, I guess. I got the small. You chose part. first. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, I have a question, guys. Yep. What's your favorite anime? A- what? Your favorite what? anime. What is he? Uh, an anime. Um, like a, is that like a chinchilla? No, no. G.I. Uh, Joe. Most people would say Chin- Avatar The Last Airbender. Chinchilla's not the over no. answer. <laughs> that's one of the big blue guys on Pandora. No, that's that's James Cameron's Avatar, oh, which is something no. completely well, different. Honestly, confession, I was I actually like Titanic. So, yeah, okay, I, I think he's a, I think he's a waterbender. Any single time I try to do something on this fucking podcast, you guys fucking undermine me, and it's a fucking bit. Dan, <laughs> I don't watch anime. I'm too busy slinging dick and playing Dungeons and Dragons. All right, hold on, hold on, <laughs> Terry, Terry. The next time that Dan complains about how we treat him on this podcast, let's just cough incessantly at him repeatedly. <laughs> I only do it once or twice. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly I, do, I did like The Last Airbender. Right? The and last I like Knights of Sidonia as well. Yeah, and, and this is... 
Nerds! <laughs> Those and are the only two I watched. The way of the four elements, which you find in the player's handbook, is if you want to play an element bender of some way, shape, or form, or you want to play the avatar itself and control all four, there's actually no way for you, like, there's no requirements for you to choose an element other than if you want to. Um, so what you do is you get what is called uh, the Disciple of the Elements, which uh, spans out to two abilities that they get. Um, you get your Elemental Attunement Discipline uh, from your Elemental Discipline list and one other Elemental Discipline. And you get that right at third level. Your Elemental Attunement, which is part of your Elemental Disciplines, I'll go over in a I defy you to not say Elemental again for the rest of the I, no, 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 The same no, way that Harry was not say Shadow, right? So, I can't. It's going to be my third word. Okay. All right. So your Elemental Fuck. in your basis... <laughs> It's pronounced element anyway. No, no, it is. It is not. It, no, no. <laughs> fuck you, no. So uh, they do make sure that uh, when you choose a new element, you can replace a previous elemental discipline. Stop. Uh, I, I, I am zoning the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I'm zoning out. Okay. Come on, come on. Yeah, Tell the people. So oh, what you do is you get to cast spells uh, with your key. You get to spend your key to cast spells. Um, or have these different almost domain level abilities. Um, your uh, once you hit 5th level you're allowed to spend additional key to increase the spell level of the spells you get and you can only cast the spells that your elemental disciplines give you is basically what it is so at 3rd level when you take this you get the base one which is elemental attunement um, which is a mixture of thaumaturgy druid uh, craft and presto in one um, you get to create harmless uh, sensory effects related to earth, air, fire, or water. Um, you can light or snuff out a candle. You can chill or warm up to one pound of material for one hour. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and you can uh, shape water, fire, earth, or air. Sure. As All right. um, do you, and sorry, you can only choose one of those elements. Nope, as many as you want. There is no... There, you do not have to actually choose an element to go into this. Okay. You that's, can for flavor-wise, but there's no requirement for you to do it. Okay, that's yeah. dumb. Go so, on. you yeah. just become a master of the elements. Um, I call that a sorcerer. So, you also get one... No, they're the master of fire. Um, so, you do also get one other uh, choice from this list at uh, third level. Oh my god, we're still in third level. Yeah. Keep going. Um, well, we're on the rest of the levels. You get another choice of sixth, eleventh, and seventeenth. All of your elemental disciplines are your abilities, and you just get to choose them as you will. Some of them require certain level caps to attain them. So much like Battlemaster, if you listened to the last episode, it's going to be kind of the same way where there's just a list of abilities you could get. So at third level, you could have it. You get elemental attunement right off the gate. You get Fangs of the Fire Snake, which you spend a key point uh, when you take the attack action on your turn, and your the reach of your unarmed attacks increases. Um, by 10 feet, so you now have a 15-foot reach. 15-foot unarmed strike. Yep. And they deal fire damage instead of bludgeoning damage. And if you spend an additional key when the attack hits, you deal an additional 1d8 fire, or 1d10 fire So you've damage. become fucking Ryu. And you can do this at third level. Hadouken! Yeah, pretty much. Um, you could also do uh, Fist of the Four Thunders, where you spend two key points to cast Thunder Wave. Fist of the Four Thunders. There we go. 
<laughs> I'm just, you know, from now on, everything that you say with one of these abilities, I'm just going to rank it on a scale. I can't of believe it took us that long to get a good fisting joke in there. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm, a little, I'm a little disappointed. Sorry, internet. Now, Sorry. if you're going towards the more back end of things, there's the there fist of unbroken air. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. We call it airtight. There we go, right Dan. You're going to D4 on your next roll. <laughs> there you go. For being uh, fucking terrible. Oh, <laughs> so good. We're definitely getting a complaint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we are. Uh, Fist of the Unbroken Air, you get to spend Which we'll just uh, delete. two key points. <laughs> and you choose a creature you can see within 30 feet of you. They make a strength saving throw. And on a failed save, they take 3d10 bludgeoning damage. Right, Plus an additional D10 for every additional key point you spend, and you push the creature up to 20 feet away from you and knock it prone. All right, we're doing Paladins next, right? We're going to give him the shortest fucking entry in the player's handbook. Yeah. yeah every time Dan talks for 95 fucking minutes on whatever this thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's the Rush of the Gale Spirits, which you could take at third level, which you spend two key points to cast Gust of Wind. Okay. Um, there's the Shape of Flowing Water, where you spend one key point to uh, move any ice or water within 120 feet of you, but no larger than 30 feet on a side. You could yeah. shape this into walls, shape it into bits, and just get totally massive water that. shape. I, I, I'm going to use this once. I'm going to save it. Because the DM will only let me do it once, so I'm going to do it on a boss. But I'm going, to, I'm going to extract the water from a human being. Yeah, you totally could. Yeah, the DM will never let me do it twice. So I'm going to wait for probably my, my level 10 boss. Uh, also at third level, you could take Sweeping Cinder Strike. You get to choose one of these. Sweeping Cinder Strike. Sweeping Cinder Strike. Say that four times fast. That sounds um, like a stripper from the 90s. <laughs> Why were you looking at strippers in the 90s? I don't know, man. Fuck, I don't know when it started. Okay. Maybe it started with Jasmine, 1992. Uh, you said your sexual awakening was... Uh, was it Nala? It was Nala. Yeah. No, no. You, you I said claimed she, that no. Nala was your sexual awakening. No, 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 no. no. I said, said she Nala was attractive. Yeah. said Nala was hot, not my sexual awakening. No, it was Jasmine. Jasmine yeah. in 92. Yeah, okay. yeah, and, I, and I challenged you and said it was Jessica Rabbit. Mm, yeah, see, no, at the time I just wanted to lick. We're not getting into this again. All I just right. wanted to lick her tummy. Go on, Dan. <laughs> so, you cast two key points I totally uh, get to cast that. Burning Hands. I totally get that. Um, also, third level, you could take Water Whip. Which you take, uh, you spend two key points as an action to create a whip of water. And what it does is you could pull or move a creature um, to unbalance it. Any creature you see within 30 feet makes a dexterity saving throw. On a save, they take a shit ton of bludgeoning damage, 3d10, plus an additional d10 for every additional key point you add. Mm. Um, and you can either knock it prone or pull it up to 25 feet closer than you, or closer to you. If they save, they still take half damage. Are we still on third level shit? Uh, no, we're now done. Um, the sixth level abilities you have to be sixth level to oh open them God. up are you spend three uh, clench of the north wind you spend three points to cast hold person um you have gong of the summit which you spend three key points to cast shatter yep <laughs> you're just you you're just trading key points for fucking spells you are that's all this really is and you could spend additional key points to make your spells higher level so even like this one where you get shatter if you spend additional key points on top of it, you make it higher caster level. I'm not a huge fan because some of the spells you get in this are a bit weird. So we're just going right, to yeah, keep going along here. At 11th level, you get to cast Fireball for four key points. You could cast Gaseous Form on yourself for four key points. Um, and you could cast Fly on yourself for four key points. Sure. And then at 17th level... You could cast, uh, spend 60, uh, 60 points to cast Kona Cold. 
You can cast five key points to cast Stone Skin on yourself. You could cast... Spend five key points to cast Wall of Fire. Why the fuck would you cast Stone Skin if you can cast Wall of fucking Fire? <laughs> Three times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you could cast... Uh, spend six key points to cast Wall of Stone as well. Yeah. It, for Wave it, of Rolling Earth. This feels freaking imbalanced. So so it it is, but not in... What level spell is Wall like, of Fire? It's pretty pretty good. Wall spell. of Fire's fifth level. Yeah, that's where all the walls are. Five or six, right around yeah. there. Yeah. The thing that really gets me at eleventh level, you spend four key points, which is about half of your pool, a little bit less than half your pool, almost a third of your pool, to cast Fireball at eleventh level. At eleventh level, your wizard's getting sixth level spells, which means your wizard yeah, but you're still has doing, had this since. But you're still doing all this crazy melee bullshit. This is the same thing with the warlock not getting a whole lot of spell slots, right? Or yeah, it's got kind of got the same feel. But Honestly, that, that is the entirety of the. Of do, the know, do you know what I would performance. do with that fireball? I would punch the ground and cast it on myself because I have evasion, and I'm gonna pass that deck save, and I'll be fine. Yep. So That's if I'm cool. getting, if I'm getting surrounded, I'll be. Boom. Oh, I would do the same thing as a uh, sorcerer and use metamagics to just take yourself out of the explosion. Yeah, okay. I like that. That's that's cool. This class was just fucking why? Why not just play a magical... You know what? The Eldritch Knight can do this. Paladins. Good. Like, if you want magic and fight, why are you doing this? It's weird. It's just this has got a weird flavor, and you well, must it, be an Avatar fan to like it. Yeah, it's very much a... If you really wanted to play Avatar, here you go. Or it's, it is the... I'm noticing a lot of these subclasses have, like, this is the one that mixes arcane magic. Go. And this is the one that's go and this is the one yeah, there, really there, there's usually the stealth one the super class the, the the champion fighter right the way of the open hand these are the yeah. super classes the berserker thing. barbarian yeah right and then they've got their element their divine and give or take some healy something stealth right like we're getting a lot of similar feels yeah to this so that that's it that's the way of four elements all right Ugh. well thanks dan all right now, let's take a second, and normally we do a shout-out here, and I just want to say, guys, check out Deep Dark of Radiance. I know it's popping up on your freaking auto-downloads right now for your podcasts. This is one of, in my opinion, and not just because I'm a part of it, because I've watched Dan slave over freaking editing suite for the last, what, freaking month. And I've been sitting here listening and and helping you with time codes and stuff. Yeah, There's really more... I hurt myself, so I had the time to do it. <laughs> Next time, I will hurt you so that we, we can do this again. You hurt me daily, Adam. Physically. Oh, okay. Yeah, changing it up from emotionally, which is your usual go-to. Speaking of emotional trauma, though, let's discuss sanity and the deep dark of radiance. You guys should be listening to this because this is one of the only Call of Cthulhu actual plays out there. Uh, Dan, you told me like yesterday that Critical Role apparently did this and I'm mad that they did a Call of Cthulhu actual yeah, play. Yeah, they did a one-shot, yeah. Yeah, and it... it um, strike some interest. Ours was already recorded by the time that they released theirs. Yeah. Um, but there's been a lot of other people doing it since, and it's not the same quality. We really put the time and effort. There are eight regular episodes, including a prologue and uh, and an epilogue, as well as we may or may not give a blooper reel, depending on how goddamn terrible it is <laughs> at the end. But so there's ten or eleven episodes coming out all the way through October. We're really proud of this. Dan has busted his ass on it, and it gives you a real sense of how not only that me uh, the mechanics work, but also the sense of cosmic horror and what it would be like to run in a truly gritty 
campaign. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're really proud of this, and I would I want you guys to to enjoy it as much as I'm enjoying listening to it, and not just because I'm freaking in it. it it's not just us. We have intern Dave is there, and uh, and a couple of female voices. You have to tune in. To hear what they sound like. Um, <laughs> Sounds like me trying to impersonate a woman's voice yeah. <laughs> and pretending it's somebody else. But uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Um, there's um, a, there's a few surprise character deaths in it as well. Um, Dan did an excellent job uh, DMing. You, you're not a dungeon master, but well, you're keepering. Keepering, GMing. You were a game master. Yeah, sure. So, um, anyways, we're really proud of this. You guys should check it out. It is uh, on all wherever you downloaded this from. This is going to be available as well. Yep. Uh, and uh, and we're going to give uh, the appropriate shout outs and whatnot to the people that have helped. It's uh, on the next episode as well. So because um, we have some musical cues and some other bits and yep. pieces as well. So thank you to everyone. If you are listening, anyone that was a part of this, um, and uh, if you. Uh, if you're interested, this is our big Halloween push. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of fun. I'm never going to say the words Halloween push again. Just makes me think of Tootsie Rolls. Um, and we're going to uh, to get back to monks. All right. The thing that everyone's been waiting for up to this point, because everyone's tired of hearing me bitch about how the class is created, and Dan say the word element, and Terry say the word shadow. Let's look at our unique builds, guys. Okay. I get the dice. You get an inspiration dice because... Oh, sorry, Terry. That was a mistake. Oh, did you see that? That happened again. It's three, and you rolled it back onto a three. I, I had inspiration, and I rolled a three. How did a you two get inspiration? Oh, because you made a really good joke. Yeah. What did you, I have? you and I, I have, have to 15. re-roll to see who actually goes last. Okay, you guys keep tying. I rolled a natural one. You bumped him to a seven, but yeah. you got a twelve. Okay. Because I knew I'd still beat him. That's so, why I did that. Hey, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Terry. <sighs> All right. So I'm just going to sit back and relax. So, like I said, this really is the the difficult, um, the most difficult class, in my opinion, to build. As much as the rogue pushes you towards edgelord, the subclasses push you in a lot of different directions. The barbarian pushes you towards being a brute, um, even though there are some options like uh, like the zealot and the storm herald and whatnot. This really does feel like your hands are tied to be a martial artist, to be a friar or a monk, doing the same kind of ninja shit, no matter what your background is. And I feel like that's because of the limitation of the skills. Right. Uh, in a big way. But here's what I would do, guys. First and foremost, I'm going to pick a human. Because um, as much as we say, uh, like, the regular human, I'm going to pick regular human, not uh, not variant. I want the plus one to all of the, uh, to all of the abilities. Because remember, uh, you get the, um, the proficiency in every save later. So that shit's going to help. With a couple of ability score improvements, you are boosting up all of your saves to just be laughing in a DM's face. But I'm going to pick a human, and I'm going to go with an elderly character. This is the time where I'm going to play the the Kung Fu Master. Mm-hmm. This old man who sits there and like he, he pulls the Yoda. He walks on the, on the walking stick or the cane until battle breaks out, and then he's just flying around the room, right? A tornado with fists and feet. Nobody? No? All right, I'll keep moving along. Um, I like the Haunted One background for this as well. I think that a monk with the Haunted One background um, can be pretty thematic and flavorful uh, about why you joined the monastery. And not just for fuck's sakes. Not just, my. I never knew my parents. They dropped me off at the <laughs> monastery. Oh my God, that's groundbreaking. <laughs> I should write that down. 
Yeah, uh, the, the the road, all the roads were at the orphanage, and the orphanage was full, so they dropped me at the monastery. <laughs> so, um, so I like the idea of you joining willfully because you're haunted by a significant um, event in your past. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of just the elderly human who maybe has watched his entire family die, and he has nothing left. There's no land to give, no titles, no no propagating the family tree any any further. So, so this is it. And he's just going to devote himself to living the best life that he possibly can for his remaining years of this. Um, and try to hopefully find some peace. Uh, I would also make him a friar. As much as like he's a monk, I would have him be completely 100% handcuffed to be lawful good and altruistic. Mm-hmm. I We don't have that anymore because the paladins don't have to be lawful good in 5th edition. But I really like the idea of this of the monk saying, no. I'm going to do this because it is the right thing to do. And three yeah. five monks had to be lawful. Yeah, they lawful. Did, yeah. But I, but my own personal one yeah. would be an elderly man who is trying to do right to make up for or to shake. He's not even making up for the sins of his past. He's just shaking a trauma. Yeah. Right. Um, and I would want to play a character that's that when he is no longer fear uh, fearful or he's not able to be charmed anymore. That's him gaining control. And I'm looking for some of the other flavor in the base monk stats and the the base features to kind of bring this guy together and figure out um, his life. And I'm trying to think what that what that traumatic event would be. And I don't know. I work with my DM. Is the big bad going to be a dragon? The dragon burned down the village, right? Like I watched my wife and it was a family reunion. It was my 50th birthday. And all of the family showed up, and the dragon came by and torched the reunion. Oh, I thought when you started saying family reunion, you watched your wife. I didn't know where you were leading with that, especially after the feet comment earlier. Oh, but, Terry. What? Terry, no. What? Some people are into that, man. What? Some people are into that. It's making a big comeback. What, feet stuff? <laughs> well, feet is a little bit, but that's if you got like a shoe thing, it'll lead yeah, towards but, that. But or or you watch all the Tarantino's. No, no, no. I was just talking about cuckolding. <laughs> Dan what Dan that's it I don't like you did we find I'm, it I'm done did we find it I think we found we, it we found it a long ass time ago my level of uncomfort which is discomfort but go nuts. discomfort <laughs> which is like just a little bit de- like it's French vanilla it's okay. not even beyond vanilla it's okay. French vanilla no hot wife porn for Dan Adam yep. Well, no, I was done. That was it. Thanks, guys. Who's next? (laughs) Me. Yep. Go nuts. (laughs) Um, Are you ready? I was was born ready. And it's going to sound not too original at first, but let me go with it. Beggar Vigilante. But let me go further. Okay? Beggar Vigilante... Not and the and the abilities do not come from the monastery and wisdom and being one with the world and all that. A science experiment gone wrong you (laughs) (laughs) let me do it let me do it sorry you do it and they escaped and this okay and i'm thinking i'm thinking and i was inspired by the movie lucy for this if you haven't seen lucy spoiler alert in three two one go it's on you now fuckheads so that was aggressive i'm sorry it's just because i'm into it a science experiment that escaped and they, they can't stop it. It's because of whatever happened to them where they were. These abilities keep coming, keep coming. They're getting stronger. They're getting better. They're getting more powerful all the time. They're using their abilities for good. They're the kind of hidden in plain sight, the anonymous beggar vigilante because they can hide amongst the poor people and stuff. But at the end, when they reach level 20 and they've gotten, they've gone so far and they've become so powerful and they've hit that point, they die. Okay. They just become one with the world. 
Okay. That feels sorcerer to me. Just because the innate power that you can't control. I hear where you're going, and no, I like that, it for but my, that's magical. But, this is not magical. Okay, so it, is this for Way of the Shadow? Um, sure. Yeah. You didn't think oh, you just went straight like monk archetype? You went well, Way of the Shadow was what I had in mind because that's one I, 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 one I did. I'd like this I for the four think. elements, though, because you've got all these weird powers that you don't know. You're not a spellcaster, and you're casting spells. Yeah, the reason, and I thought about it when you asked me just then, the reason I didn't want to do this is because I didn't want it to lean too suggested towards magic. I want it to be physical abilities. I, I really like the idea of taking a couple of levels of Sorcerer just so you go Wild Magic. so that Wild Magic Surge. Yeah, so you got the Love Magic it. Surge on top of all the shit every time you do a Monk thing. The Wild Magic Table, you know, has a potential going on. I love that Wild Magic Table. Um, so, yes, and I would like, obviously the rest of the players would not know that's going to happen. You would share it with your DM, but you get right to the end and they just start to separate. Start Everyone to level up to level 20, except for you rolling your character. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for me, um, I went, I tend to like to lean into the class I'm covering for these class builds. So Like a trope? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was thinking a Genasi. Um Way of the Elements Monk. Uh, and specifically as a protector of their realm. So you mentioned earlier the... Which tri- type of Genasi? So, it, uh, yes. Airbender. So I would say if you wanted to go air, you go air Genasi with all of the air abilities that you would get as a Way of the Elemental. And you would choose to stick with the air abilities. Um, the one that intrigues me more out of any of the other ones, though, is the Water Genasi with the Water Abilities. And you mentioned it as a uh, Triton earlier. That would yeah. work out well. But yeah. Water Genasi also get a swim speed. They also get the ability to breathe water. Um, and they get the shape water, create water. They get those things as well on top of all of this, which means you as a Water Genasi can now create that thing of water if you're in a dry area to use as your uh, way of the four elements guy. Okay. I really like this. I would even make him either a city watch background or if you're going the fire uh, fire genasi route go criminal and this guy's just a serial arsonist oh, yes right we we have a fire genasi arsonist in, yeah. in our campaign and, right and i think it's absolutely fantastic that. to do it or you could go a the oh. earth route and go uh, a regional protector of a mountain bound clan of whatever's i like the fire genasi um pyromaniac um lieutenant bad guy yeah be good so I, I i would go fire genetic i lean into the element here uh for the okay. way of the element model. all right dan i like your idea and i don't honestly i don't like arguing with you but i'm going to challenge you on a thing here it what is it beside the race we're like come up with a cool build besides race what's the background like what when you think of well no, i was saying you are the protector of that element. so what does that mean uh you like, are you part of an order that's the protector? Yeah, you're, well, yeah, you're, you're not monk. the chosen protector. You're the protector of that element. Maybe the chosen one is something you build into as a character arc. So what happens if you die? Okay. Then another one steps in and has to... It's like the Sorcerer Supreme kind of scenario? Yeah, yeah. And a very elemental... Or, or Highlander. They're... And they could even be... You could go... Anyone who reads the module, like the, uh, the Elemental Evil modules and whatnot that are out there. What's that one about? Um... Elements. I just wanted you to say it one more time. I know I did. But the different clans are at war. 
So you could be the one character sent to either unite them all or destroy them all and be the paragon, the more powerful element, right? And you're trying to offset that balance. So there's a lot of different routes you could go with that. I like that. I think that that's a lot of fun. I think that depending on which one of the elements that you would grab, you would have a different kind of story to you. Or flip it on its head, be a fire elemental guy that only casts the water stuff. Yeah. I like being air that only casts the fire stuff. I, like I just have like like a tinderbox with you all the time, no. and it's just you. Like it's technically an air spell. Fireball is now an air spell for you because you have just like you're you're shooting gaseous air out of you and lighting it up. Yep. You would take the uh, elemental adept uh, feat for this as well. So if things are like immune to fire, no, they're not. So you could go that route as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I'm into it. Anything else, guys, you want to talk about with Monk? I like when they're a bad guy. Not a good guy. Yeah, these do lend themselves to be like villains, low-level generals Chaos for your fire. for your uh, party to take out. Okay. Are, are we done then on Monks? I think I'm done on Monks. I'm done on Adam. Monks. I'm done until the next time we do a Monk episode. There are more subclasses out there. Uh, but... That brings us to an end, guys. Um, let's uh, let's wrap it up with our handles. Dan, where can at, people find you? At Oscar underscore the underscore orc, all case. Terry? At send noobs DND on Instagram. And I'm on Instagram at Rusty Styrofoam. You can catch all of us on Instagram at It's a Mimic, on Twitter at It's a Mimic DND. Check out our Facebook page. And uh, please, we're trying to get people to leave us I, uh, iTunes reviews. And uh, check us out on YouTube as well. Yeah. So uh, we're trying to get YouTube up and running. And if we can get enough people subscribing and watching and liking and talking, then we may swap to a video format, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about doing. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're dangling it out there. It's on you. Help yeah. us. Help us dangle. So about th- thanks very much for listening to, uh, to another episode of It's a Mimic. And next week, we're bringing you guys undead and we're leaning right in to October and Halloween and everything spooky for the rest of the month. I'm so excited. It's my favorite type of year. Yeah, me too. Goth girls are everywhere. (laughs) Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. You know, Dan and I saw It Chapter 2. Oh, shit. Good or not? Uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, so d- did you like it? I really did, yeah. I thought that it wasn't scary. I thought it was weird. I really liked that it was dramatic, and I thought that the horror aspect was was good and weird, and, and I really liked it. For the first time ever, I felt like we were dealing with cosmic horror in a movie. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool. They really leaned into the fact that it is cosmic horror. They, they I, I know, like... The uh, one with Tim Curry didn't really do that. They kind of well, were tried afraid to, to really address it. They had a claymation freaking spider at the end. I really liked the um, the first one of the new. Of the new um, oh, chapter the new, one? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I would say that that was scary. There's a couple of parts in this. When they did the horror, it was excellent. Yeah. But they did a lot of the drama as well. It was surprisingly funny in some places and poignant in others. And this one had a message. And I don't know. I really liked it. But fuck it. had a three-hour runtime. Did it really? Yeah. Holy shit. I highly recommend this movie. I absolutely love it. I love scary clowns. I was a scary clown. Everybody should go see this fucking movie. So, I don't know. That was really fun. I'm all over it. Yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it. And it, and it was one of those ones where like, I was driving home after and I wasn't afraid of the shadows in the corner of my periphery. No. So. <laughs>
Like, it wasn't... I agree with Adam. It wasn't really that scary. And Dan pissed himself in the nun. Laughing at how horrible it was. Right, right. Yeah, right. Frenchie. Fuck. All right, guys. One of our cleanest cold opens we've ever done. (laughs) It was only three minutes. (laughs) Wait, before we start. God damn it, Terry. Oh, my God. I've been holding that in. See, I'll hold it in, Dan, okay? Yeah, you clearly did so well holding it in that you're now coughing when we're recording. Okay, well, the first cough... I forgot that we were recording, <laughs> and the second cough was involuntary, so neither of which were I fault. often forget that we're recording when I cough. I just zone out when Adam speaks, so. Oh, this beer is so good. It's 